everybody, and welcome back to the Data Bytes podcast by Women in Data. My name is Sadie St. Lawrence, and today we will be discussing market disruptions. This is our third episode in a three-part series on data and AI at the core of transformations with Accenture. I'm very happy to be joined once again with my co-host, Samta Kapoor. Welcome, Samta. Great to see you again. Thank you, Sadie. I am very excited to invite our guest of honor today, Salim Jan Mohammed, who is our West Accenture Market Unit CEO. And Salim and his role is responsible for delivering value for our clients, hiring and retaining talent, managing the operations of the office and serving the communities where we live and work. Salim brings over 30 years of global experience and he's worked across business and technology for two dozen countries, as well as clients across industries. He, he believes strongly in building a workforce that promotes equality, diversity, and inclusion is a top priority for him. Salim, thank you for joining us today. We are very, very excited to have you. Good morning, and uh, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Awesome. So Salim, given that you've had um, such a vast experience across industries and, you know, of course, dealt with business and technology both, could you shed some light on what, according to you, are some of the game-changing technologies that play a pivotal role in disruption? I think in certainly in, in, in the 30 years that I've been working um, uh, in the field, I mean, we've seen various sort of technology changes, but I think especially in the last sort of five, six years, I think the most disruptive technology is clearly cloud, right? We're moving uh, to sort of incredible amounts of compute, storage, memory capacity, the likes of which most enterprises will never be able to deliver on their own or in their own sort of enterprise environment. And so when you have you know, limitless infrastructure capability, I think it opens up a whole avenue of new, um, new uh, optimization that you can do. And I think at the heart of that really is data and, and applied intelligence. Because if you think about it, you know, moving to the cloud in and of itself certainly creates efficiency and effectiveness, you know, reduces your infrastructure spend, allows you to gain economies of scale. But I think more importantly, once you're on the cloud, it unleashes a set of capabilities that an enterprise on its own could not deliver, right? The use of platform capabilities, you know, with the best data scientists in the world really building out AI and ML capabilities that you can now attach your data to and draw insight from. Uh, that's something that wasn't feasible for most enterprises. And certainly as you look down market into, you know, small and medium sized enterprises, cloud and the application of AI and data on the cloud really has democratized, you know, AI and ML and, and applied intelligence for a, for a wide variety of businesses around the world. So to me, cloud is the catalyst. Um, and I think data is the currency of disruption. I love that, the catalyst and the currency. Um, so these things you mentioned are driving a lot of new optimization, democratizing things. Um, but can you explain a little bit more about how they may be creating new markets or even disrupting existing markets? Uh, absolutely, it's a great question because if I think about our market just here on the West Coast, I mean, we serve five primary, what we call client groups, you know, comms, media technology, products, which is retail, 
uh, life sciences, med tech, financial services, health and public sector, and then utilities and energy. Those are sort of our primary industry segments. We're seeing incredible convergence uh, between these, these industries. You know, at, at some point, you know, you, you, we've seen sort of the, 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 the Disney plus uh, sort of approach direct to consumer. And I can see, uh, you know, more and more CPG and retail companies, you know, moving into that model, leveraging platforms as a catalyst to engage their end customers. Of course, they're going to continue to use retail channels uh, and, and have retail partners, but that sort of connection with the customer and being able to have a value added interaction with the customer is enabled by data, right? And I think that that creates a whole new opportunity. You know, in another market, let's take MedTech. You know, you've got the, you know, uh, Roche, uh, Fortiv, and uh, Amgen, and various other, you know, life sciences and MedTech companies that are looking to apply data to the products, the instrumentation that they typically sell to providers or to labs. And, 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 you know, sell that as a service rather than a, a one-time piece of equipment. So now I can attach, you know, if you will, telemetry information collected from various medical instruments uh, and sell that to labs as they look to do research uh, around sort of the next innovation in life sciences. And that's a whole new business. You know, think about fintech, another example of, you know, if you look at, um, you know, our financial services business, it's actually a horizontal, you know, uh, Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple are all in the payments business and they're disrupting the banks. So you've got traditional infrastructure businesses that are looking to social media companies as a potential disruptor of, uh, of their core business. So I think this, there's massive convergence and at the heart of that convergence is really a platform business enabled by data and insight that drives a new value proposition for either businesses or end consumers. And I think it's an exciting place to be. Yeah, Salim, that's like very good insights and great examples because that we are seeing a lot of that disruption happen, right? And across industries. What's getting me curious is that are you are you seeing that the pace for this disruption has accelerated? And if it has, what do you think is causing it? You know, I think that I think the pandemic has been an, in, an incredible catalyst for change. You know, we've seen more change and digital dis disruption in the last year and a half than we probably have seen in the last five years, right? Uh, largely because it's now a boardroom issue. It's not something that's optional. Uh, if you think about sort of uh, the companies that were, you know, essentially early investors in infrastructure, technology, AI, you know, data architecture, they've actually expanded their lead during the pandemic, right? You know, those that had that digital experience for customers as opposed to just brick and mortar, you know, saw a new engagement model. Those that didn't, you know, were, found it hard to pivot to a work from home structure because they didn't have the infrastructure and then didn't have the engagement model or the tools or the investments necessary to work with their end customers and their partners in a different and virtual way. So I think that as a result of the, the shock, the extraneous shock that the pandemic has created across lines of business, you know, what we're seeing is now 
management teams at the C-suite, not just the, the chief technology officer or the CIO, but the entire C-suite, the CEO and the board now thinking, okay, how do we put in place the capabilities we need to be able to you know, absorb any kind of further extraneous shocks? You know, who knows what could happen next? And how do we then you know, enable our org organization to engage with our customers and our partners in new and different ways, leveraging platforms uh, in the cloud uh, and thinking about the data and the insights that we have in a different way to, uh, to create you know, various engagement models that create differentiation, right? And so it's now an imperative, not an optional thing uh, and a nice to have. It's something that is actually going to make or break your business down the road. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with the impacts of the pandemic and COVID. It was, everyone had to become digital first in a heartbeat, whether they wanted to or not. Right. And you know, prior to us turning on the record button here, we were talking about now what's that phase two, right? With getting back to work. You know, we like things of not having to do the commute, but we know that there's a need to have a human element in there as well. And so that really leads me to my next question is we've been now this last year, so technology focused, seeing that we can work remote, we need to be more digitally centered and digital first, but how do we add that human element now back into it and find a happy medium between the power of technology, but also harnessing that human element to drive and imagine new products that are gonna meet and exceed customer needs? You know, I, I do think, as we were talking about uh, earlier, I, I feel like we'll never go, to a, go back to a world where we are, it's business as usual, if you will, pre-pandemic. I think the pandemic has proven to us that we can work virtually uh, and there is incredible productivity and efficiency and effectiveness that comes out of that, right? Um, you know, we've taken out the slack, if you will, in our days and it's all about, you know, getting the job done. Um, you know, having said that, I think that as humans, you know, we're nourished by interaction. And I think being together in one place actually fuels innovation and, and there's an energy that we create for each other that I don't think you can easily replicate. And I don't know the sort of neuroscience of it, but I feel, I feel it. There's a difference when you're in person with someone and can draw on that energy from, from each other. So I don't think it's going to be a binary world where we either go back to all physical, physically in one place or all virtually as we have been for the last year and some. Uh, I think it's going to be a hybrid model. Uh, and I think it's going to fuel actually, um, you know, a, a, new, uh, a new set of capabilities around collaboration, right? We're going to make the hybrid world the norm. And so, you know, I can see, you know, uh, uh, conferencing technologies evolving so that you know, those who aren't physically there can participate equally uh, in, the, in the dialogue and you know, tools for whiteboarding and collaboration and the like uh, will absolutely evolve. I also think that you know, the, the virtual world has created the opportunity really to have the best experts from around the world collaborate. You know, and I don't think we've had that opportunity. I think if you look at sort of the, the Silicon Valley uh, you know, environment here, you know, most uh, CTOs would tell you, I need to have all my engineers all in one place. 
well, in, for the last year and some, we've been building lots of cool products and we haven't been in one place. So, and, and now, you know, it's sort of, again, there's a democratization, if you will, that occurs. You don't have to be living here necessarily in the Valley. You can actually tap into the best minds from around the world to collaborate in real time on some really tough problems. And I think that's gonna unlock a world of innovation, uh, you know, and I think it's gonna be valuable to all organizations to be able to participate in that. And I think, you know, the fact that uh, folks in Eastern Europe and India and various other places can now sort of be on par in sort of this digital world, I think uh, creates infinitely new, new opportunities. So, I think actually the pace of innovation will only grow as a result of, uh, you know, the the impacts that we've had over the last year or so. Yeah, that's such a great point, Salim, because that like even collaborating in at the next level and getting people across the board is a new wave of innovation, right? Like we've never had to do it the way we have to do it now. Um, of course, thanks to the pandemic. Um, but what are the other things that you are seeing, um, you know, in like innovation that are happening and special? I think about others, you know, in the utilities business. Here in California, we have uh, incredible challenges with forest fires, you know, devastating life lost, uh, as well as sort of property impacts. Um, and I think about the fact that this affects every utility and the combination of data, drones, and AI ML can actually help identify, uh, you know, tree branches that might hit a power line, right? Long before a human might notice that. And I mean, the ability to predict, you know, plant growth and intersection with power lines, you know, as a drone whizzes by that power line to be able to identify those, uh, those, uh, those particular areas where you're going to have that risk. I mean, now you can cover thousands and thousands of miles of, uh, of power uh, grids all over the state without, you know, having to have people, you know, drive along highways, right? Uh, and be able to process that data in real time with edge technology sitting in the drone. So it's not just about shipping huge volumes of data back to a central data uh, repository. You can actually process some of that right on the drone. You can identify high risk areas and get, you know, crews out there to address, uh, you know, th those, uh, that vegetation before it impacts, uh, impacts us. I mean, that in and of itself actually combines multiple disciplines. You need deep industry skills to understand, you know, how to do, uh, how to actually go about doing fire management. You need technology skills, uh, you know, to actually craft the data, the, the data models and such. Then you need to actually have a repository of information on, you know, where your power lines are, what what vegetation might already exist. You then have to apply, you know, th that together uh, with, uh, you know, the best minds in sort of the from the industry and data science to figure out, you know, where you, your highest risk of, uh, uh, challenges are. And to me. You know, that's what we're going to see much more of, right? The, in, the combination of industry, function, technology, uh, and innovation to be able to come up with solutions like that. And, you know, if you think about sort of our world here on the West Coast, we have all of those elements, right? You know, we have the, the best semiconductor companies on the planet thinking about 
new and innovative ways to use silicon. We have platform companies that are making vast investments in sort of building storage and compute infrastructure. We've got network companies that are thinking about edge technology, you know, around 5G and figuring out how to actually make broadband wireless a reality. All of that is going to be required to actually enable these kinds of solutions, right? So I, I think we're going to see a whole wave of new, uh, new capabilities like that. Uh, and I, I think it's, again, the speed of innovation is only going to increase, um, again, because of the virtualization of the world that we, we currently live in. So you touched a little bit about the skills and experience that are needed to fuel this disruption in terms of having that deep industry knowledge, but also then that technology um, experience and skill as well. So I'm curious if you were starting your career over, you know, and knowing also what you know now of all the exciting things that are happening, the opportunities, the innovation that's yet to be created, right? Yeah. Where would you focus your time? What would you learn? What do you think are those essential like skills and experience that are necessary for people starting off in their career today? So I, I think that one key thing, and that's been true, that was true when I was in school and certainly true, just analytical skills, the ability to sort of dissect problems into smaller components, that to me is a critical need. And our, the problems we're dealing with today and the, the sort of sophistication of technology that we have actually you know, really requires you to sort of think in, in, in building blocks, right? And be able to dissect a problem into its component parts. So you know, those skills and, and building you know, and practicing those skills are, are critical. I think the, the intersection, as I said, of uh, technology, industry, and function is where I think, you know, innovation lives. And in my mind, you know, the, back in the day when I was, you know, developing technology, it was fundamental. There was no, there was no sort of library to go out to where someone had already solved that problem. The internet barely existed, right? So, uh, you know, I think that, um, the building blocks of technology are all there. It's assembling those things in new and creative ways that matter. And to be able to do that, you really have to understand deeply a function uh, and deeply an industry. So, you know, if you're if you're dealing with customer experience, right, or sales as a function, you need to understand that the process, the steps, the activities, the metrics, you know, from end to end to really understand how you can influence the value chain. And then I think you really have to put that in the context of an industry. You know, a function uh, applied to utilities uh, versus banking versus communications, it could be all selling, but how you do that is very, very different. And so understanding function in the, in the context of industry is critical. And so our best people, if I could, you know, if I could sort of, you know, uh, clone people, it would be those people that have that deep industry context, understand a function, and then have the analytical capabilities to break down a problem into its component parts and figure out how we can apply technology, existing technology in new ways to sort of uh, address that problem. So, you know, I, I think these are pretty fundamental skills. Uh, and I think that we actually start with, uh, today, we start with a uh, you know, a, a broad collection of tools 
that frankly didn't exist 30 years ago when I was starting out. So, you know, you don't have to go to sort of the, you know, the basic, the, the basic building blocks. You can really start to evolve and, and incrementally create new technology off of what, you know, the world is, the world of technologists are already doing. So I, I think it's an actually, it's a phenomenal time to be a data engineer, right? And I think that that's really the, the future, right? And, uh, and, and ultimately, as I said, when we started, you know, data is the currency of transformation, right? All the building blocks around infrastructure, platform, um, compute and storage are all there. The question is, what do you do with it, right? And to me, that's where the data engineer comes in. Uh, and I think it'll unlock incredible potential uh, for every industry that, that good data engineers are, are participating in. Yeah, what a great question to close it out of, of what do you do with it, right? I think that's a, 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 gonna be a question I'm gonna be pondering all day today is what am yeah. I doing with it? What you know, industry function am I focused in? Because that really, I think, helps narrow things down, especially if you're starting your career to really narrow in on one to build that skill. Um, but most yeah, of all maybe. in this episode, just how much opportunity there is. I think there's incredible opportunity. I wish we could uh, we could have more people that sort of had that mindset. And I think that you know that the, the advice I would give to your listeners is, you know, never stop learning. Right? Be out there. You know, uh, uh, figure out new function, new industry. Teach yourself technology. Be a lifelong learner. Right? And I think that you know uh, that intellectual curiosity is critical to growth, right? And uh, it doesn't matter how old or young you are, I mean, you can always learn new things. And, uh, and I think that the application, as I said, the application of one industry to another, we're seeing that happen in real time right now. And some of the examples I gave you, uh, so again, you know, lessons learned in one place can absolutely be uh, applicable in many other, you know, instances and industries. So, you know, continue to be a lifelong learner and always, you know, maintain your intellectual curiosity. Yeah, the lifelong learning has definitely been a theme through this series of um, what we've been talking about here and always a good reminder to keep pushing boundaries because if you're not growing, you're probably dying and um, we have a lot left to do in this world and a lot more problems to solve for sure. Right. Well, thank you, Salim, for joining us. And thank you, Samta, for being a co-host for this series. I'm a little sad to wrap it up, but what a great way to wrap it up and thinking about the future in terms of how we innovate and transform different markets. It's been a pleasure, and I hope to chat with you all again soon. Thank you both. Thank it's you. been a pleasure. Thanks.